first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Another episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. My name is Roscoe, your co-host, sitting opposite me virtually beside it, not beside, in front of a new background. We'll get up to the importance of our backgrounds in a minute. But uh, Blakey, how are you? Thanks for joining us again. Well, thanks for coming back to your own podcast, mate. It's going really well. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, no worries, uh, Roscoe. I, I mean, can we do this without either of us? You know, probably, you know, that I might be, I don't know, slightly more important, but really you're the nuts and bolts behind this operation as i do i just press buttons and make sure that they're red and not green and recording something and uh that's it my important part but um mate it's been what a week or so since we caught up and did our last episode and quite a bit of stuff to get through we will try and keep it neat and to the schedule and it's a wonderful schedule that you've put together for us too i couldn't i couldn't uh, i couldn't be here without your wonderful schedule here mate it's um it's been a few couple of big weeks in golf yeah there have been um some some good fodder for us uh, in terms of rules stuff. Yeah, I've, I've tried to keep it to, uh, you know, cut cut it down from what we've uh, done previously uh, just based on that feedback, which we which we love, the, the listener feedback or viewer feedback if you're on YouTube um, with the vlog. But, uh, you know, we'll try and get through everything today. And if we don't, um, we'll put it in the next episode and make sure uh, we speak about it. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get into it, Roscoe. So, so, mate, we're down to the pointy end of the, the FedEx series and uh, the last event was run and the last event of the main FedEx series and next week's the, the final um, was run and won today. What a, what a, what a finish. Yeah, that was, that was unbelievable. And, and, you know, it is August and this is when the FedEx Cup is usually on, but with the lack of golf that we've had on the, from the, especially the PGA tour um, this year, it's quite incredible that it's come so quickly, I guess. So yeah, what a finish. Um, John Rahm ending up shooting 130 on the weekend as a past 70 course, but shooting 130 on the weekend uh, to get into that playoff and um yeah, did do you see both putts, Roscoe? Uh, I did, and uh, I don't think that I've even in my wildest dreams considered holding putts of those lengths of those two young men, Dustin Johnson and John Rahm, as they did uh, one to secure his place in the playoff, Dustin Johnson, and the other one to to take it out in the first playoff hole. Just um, just phenomenal meterage of puttage. And, and, you know, the funny thing about it is that Dustin's uh, putt for birdie in the playoff was actually not too far away either. So, you know, what we saw, um, you know, Colin Morikawa and uh, Justin Thomas a few weeks ago um, when they had the, the playoff putts, it just keeps getting better and better on the PGA Tour for that kind of stuff. Before we get into talking about uh, the first little rules, uh, imbroglio, you like that word? I'm going to keep running with it. Imbroglio, spelled with an I, not an E, as I incorrectly <laughs> and, and you, you, as as is your role in this team, 
politely but effectively corrected me on this on my spelling, um, which I used to actually pride myself on, by the way, for everyone listening. Um, That's all right. Before we get into that, Olympia Fields, uh, it was turned out fairly tough. And this is probably more a topic for, for my mate Rocket on the My Love of Golf podcast, but it was turned out fairly tough. And I just was keen to get your perception or your how you thought it presented and, and is that a good thing for the professional game because it seems to be if you look at the twitter spheres a lot of banter to and fro with the prolonged rough and narrow fairways or the firm and fast and wide and let strategy be the be the domain of the better player yeah like i uh, personally um am, enjoy it more uh watching when they can't spin um their golf ball out of the rough uh, when they are having these really long putts, um, you know, just hitting it in there, letting it stop um, really quickly with like six and seven irons, uh, you know, that's something that uh, we'll never be able to to do. Um, well, speaking of myself, uh, so I like seeing that they have to tactive, tactfully uh, work their way around the course and put the ball in certain positions to then have a better uh, better position to hit into the, the putting green. And then, you know, if if they do hit it just off the fairway, um, they have to take their medicine and just try and aim for the middle of the green. And then even then, that's not uh, the most easy thing to see. But, uh, you know, they set it up really hard. Again, it was a par 70. Um, the two par fives were over 600 yards. The cream rose to the top. Um, John Rahm. Yeah, as I said, shooting 130 on the weekend. So, it obviously, you know, these are the best in the world. Or obviously, might have made it a little bit easier on the weekend or something. Well, and, you know, the cream rises at the top, obviously, DJ in that runner-up position, winning last week as well. He's uh, he's on fire, that man. But, um, very interesting. I like the firm greens. I like the firm greens. I'm still, still not a massive fan of long, rough, narrow fairways. I, I do like a bit of width there and a little bit of strategy, but the firm greens, I think, is something that uh, brought a lot of these guys a few challenges with the pace of the putts and, and not being able to spin their wedges and get it to stop on a dime like they used to. And and I think, you know, for us here in, in Melbourne, not that we know at the moment because we haven't played golf for six weeks, but, um, you know, we, we, we like that and we sort of get into that sort of firm and fast, you know, that Royal Melbourne and Metro-type firm and fast green. But anyway, um, now... Our winner, the winner, John Rahm had a an imbroglio that he had to deal with on the weekend uh, in in getting to the win position as well, and he's not unfamiliar uh, to take the win, but also having a sort of green side uh, penalty because he had one fairly recently, which we talked about in episode one of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. And thanks once again for listening. Let's uh, let's cue that audio up and and have a listen to that which was incurred on the fifth hole. And afterwards, John Rob described it. He said, I just spaced it. He had not marked his ball. He just picks it up. Then he realizes what he's done. He says, I just, I went up there. I thought I had marked it, and I, and I didn't. He realized it right away, and he knew what was coming. The official comes up, and he gets assessed the one-shot pick. Once again, that's taken from your uh, web not your web, sorry, it is taken from the web, but uh, it's taken from your YouTube uh, site, which you, I encourage everyone to go on if you want to keep up with uh, Blakey's categorised and, and um, how would you say it, um, you know, fully fully diarised uh, YouTube videos on golf rules questions, go, go to there. But, yeah, a monumental brain fade from the big Rambo. Yeah, quite an interesting situation here. So, basically, his ball's on the green, 
he's probably twiddling around with his uh, ball marker in his pocket. And instead of actually putting it down on the green and then picking up his ball, which is what you uh, what you have to do under rule 14.1, um, he has just picked the ball up without putting a mark down. So um, whereas rule 9.4 talks about uh, accidental or deliberate um, movement of the ball at rest, um, you know, if, if you cause your ball to, to move, basically you get a penalty unless it's under one of these exceptions. There's four exceptions. One of those exceptions, exception number three, is about accidentally uh, moving your ball on the green. So a lot of people would say, oh, you know, it was accidental. Well, it was an accident, uh, but it was still a deliberate action and rule 14.1 talks about that action as if you lift your ball um, without first marking it on the putting green, you're going to get that one stroke penalty. So sort of 14.1, 9.4, uh, both would penalise you in, in that situation. And luckily uh, he didn't, uh, you know, it didn't cost him the tournament. It would have been very interesting to hear, you know, the media outlets around the world about uh, after that, um, if it did, but he sunk a 66 foot putt and ended up winning the tournament. You know, did he even have to, he didn't even have to be in the playoff, but there's other situations. I think, you know, his ball bounced out of the hazard on, or sorry, penalty area on uh, 15. So, you know, he got lucky there. So um, it comes and goes with the, with the game of golf as we, as we all love it. That is golf and that's why we love it. And that's one of the little things that keeps us coming back week in, week out. Yeah. What a, it was just to watch that vision and to see it happen. It was just a brain fight and somewhat encouraging. It's disapp- it was disappointing to see him do it in the time, but uh, it's somewhat encouraging that, that we're not the only ones that sometimes you know can have a brain fade on uh, under pressure. But uh, it was it was interesting to see. But anyway, yeah. Well, well, um, you might find this quite funny, but uh, it actually I know of another situation, uh, another time that this situation occurred as well at the Vic Open last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, at uh, on hole 17, Jason Scrivener uh, of the beach course, Jason Scrivener did the exact same situation. You know, just I think his situation, he'd actually moved it to the side. And so he'd put the marker down, pick the ball up, put the marker, you know, club head to the side um, because someone was putting that way and then pick the marker up. So a same, same penalty, um, one stroke penalty and just replace the ball or the ball marker in the correct spot. Now, of course, the ball moving on the green, now it's a different rule to what we've just articulated there, but the ball moving on the green was amongst the set of rules that changed. Was that back in 2019 as well? So once again, comparing the old with the new, you know, when I was down there battling it out for the monthly medal at Mornington Golf Club where – there's a lot of slope in, on the greens and also the fairways, but there were quite a number of greens down there with a heavy slope. And in a windy day, you know, you could be standing there waiting for your ball to, to move and just trying to guesstimate when you were going to hit the ball between oscillations, you know, of the ball being blown by the wind. Now, that rule changed. So that's that was the old rule where, you know, if you were deemed to have any way caused your ball to move on the putting surface, and that's not through marking it, but you've, Put, got your ball in play, waiting to putt, 
you know, you had to hover your putt, therefore you weren't addressing the ball technically. Um, but now, what's the what's the scenario now when you know, you've got a windy condition and you're still playing and the ball moves or the ball's oscillating? What's what's the, the go there? Yeah, it's quite interesting that you bring that up, Roscoe, because in the last ten years, this rule has uh, changed quite a lot. Uh, you weren't actually they used to have a definition called addressing the ball. Uh, they've taken that out of the rule now, but uh, out of the rule book now. But it used to be that even if you just grounded your club and the ball moved, whether it was at your doing or not. One stroke penalty replaced the ball. So they've got rid of um, the definition of addressing the ball. Um, and now we've ev- uh, evolved into this situation where if you are on the putting green and your ball moves, uh, you work out what caused it to move. And if it was natural forces, uh, wind or water, then there's no penalty. And if you hadn't already marked it and lifted it and replaced it, then you play it from its new position. If you had already lifted and replaced it, you play it from that position. That is the position that you need to make the stroke from. So just a, a probably easier just to give an example here. Um, you hit your ball up, you, you hit your 20-foot putt up to a tap-in position. And as you're walking up, the ball's at rest. Um, as you're walking up, uh, the ball starts moving and blows into a bunker. Your next position that you're going to play that stroke from is in the bunker unless you want to take an unplayable or something like that, right? Now, same situation. You've hit the 20-foot putt. You've got to tap in. For some reason, you decide that you're going to mark it. You mark it. You lift it. You clean it, you replace it. Now the wind does the same thing, blows it into the bunker. You get to replace it back to that spot, that original spot from where you'd already marked and lifted and replaced it, and there'd be no penalty. So that was a change. Uh, After we saw uh, the Billy Horschel in um, the Masters on the 15th hole in 2015, I think it was, um, they sort of said, oh, I've got to do something about that because, you know, the the conditions of the greens, they're so smooth these days. They're, you know, they're, they're cut so um, neatly and it doesn't take much for wind or water to, uh, you know, to move that ball. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a, a change that, they've, that has occurred um, 2019, um, but... That rule has really been changing the last 10 years. I mean, uh, it used to be, you know, you took away the addressing, but um, even if you just sort of around the ball, uh, if it, it was more likely than not that you caused it to move, you're going to incur the penalty. Whereas now it's more likely than not that you didn't cause the ball to move. You know, you have to be virtually certain. You have to be at least 95% certain that you caused the ball to move uh, in order for there to be a penalty and and we're talking fairway or rough whereas on the green if it's accidental um, by you uh, then there's there's no penalty and you just replace it in the case of John uh, it was a deliberate action even though it was an accident it was a deliberate action to pick his ball up without first marking it and that's a one stroke penalty very well explained very well explained and you know I'm sure that's not the last time that we'll see um, John Rahm 
with the rules imbroglio at the top end of the tournament. I'm sure there's been two in the last uh, few months, so I'm sure there'll be more. Yeah, well, it, they they say comes in threes, doesn't it? <laughs> so, uh, you know, and that kind of stuff follows Phil Mickelson around as well. So, you know, when you're at the top, when you've got the cameras on you, that kind of stuff always happens. Well, Phil just loves a bit of controversy in, in all ways, shapes and forms, and uh, he creates it out of his own interest, but this time he created it to his own benefit. Now, Phil's made the, the transition... Uh, for the, not sure for how long, but I didn't think he would jump straight across there, but he's jumped into the Champions Tour and he was involved in this little rules scenario that um, you can explain to us after after we have a listen to it. Lefty, he's up against the tree, but he gets relief. Uh, this part down the bottom here. So, Lanny, then he, he gets relief. We'll get into why he got relief in a second. He hits his driver from the pine straw there. Which in itself was an outstanding play. It was an outstanding play, the driver from the pine straw. So what you you can't see is Phil's up against the tree. He's a lefty, so his back is to the tree and his ball's up against in the buttress of the tree with all the roost and it looks fairly gnarly down there. And then all of a sudden he gets free relief. Now, I didn't really explain it there and you couldn't really see clearly why. But Blakey, of course, you've got all the information. So why did Phil, the lefty, couldn't play the shot, was stymied well and truly. How did he get re- relief from the base of a tree? Yeah, this is uh, a common situation. Firstly, um, Roscoe, in, in terms of my YouTube videos, I try and get the best footage I can, but sometimes, it, uh, you know, of these rulings, but sometimes it just, uh, you know, isn't possible. Um, but what I sort of cut together there was the fact that we saw his ball was basically dead. <laughs> you know, it was up against the tree. It, whether it was a reasonable stroke or not is another um, another question. Uh, but, you know, these guys are the best in the world. So telling Phil that he doesn't have a stroke at the ball, um, you know, is like telling Michael Schumacher he can't drive a car type thing. So um, probably, probably not the best example to bring <laughs> Well, that didn't happen in a in a car race. No, a car race. No, that was that was on, you know, on skis. But anyway, moving on. Uh, so he does have a shot. Where whether it's a reasonable one, um, straight into a tree, or you know, that, that's for the referee to decide. But basically, uh, on a lot of these tours, um, they'll have um, this local rule for cables or wires attached to trees, and you know, they're wrapped around trees very tightly and they don't give free relief. They make them integral objects. Um, otherwise, you know, people would just be trying to get free relief um, for any time they have interference with a tree. You know, it's not the wire that they actually care about. It's the tree. Uh, in this case, it wasn't actually TV cables, but the local rule still applies to any wires wrapped around a tree. And um, I've never seen this, but, um, obviously it's a, it's a big thing in the States, um, to have wire that is a lightning wire, right? So, you know, the, the lightning hits the wire and goes down the wire and into the ground rather than smashing the tree and yeah, it's destroying like an, I think the tree. In the, I think in the electrical field, it'd be called an earth. Correct. Right. So, um, this lightning wire apparently had come loose but not loose where you could move it loose as in 
it was interfering abnormal to what uh, the wrapped around the tree would be. Uh, so then it's not a movable obstruction because he couldn't actually rip it away from the tree. Um, so it's an immovable obstruction and the referee was, you know, and Phil as well was right to get relief provided it was a reasonable stroke and they obviously thought it was. And that's a really big, um, you know, that, that, that would have been huge if Phil hadn't dominated the tournament so much. Um, that would have been sort of huge news everywhere else. But, you know, it, Going back, to, uh, you know, I'm here to commentate on on rules, um, but it was interesting to see that Phil had taken that opportunity to play on the tours, uh, the championship champions tour, and uh, you know he had missed out on the main FedEx um, uh, rotor, or uh, you know missed out on the top seventy or whatever it was. Um, so that's why he was down there, um, and he dominated, which yeah. was you know he, he like there was a three hundred 40 meter, uh, 40 yard uh, par four, and he hit it on the green and won. And then <laughs> he's 50 years old. Can you do that, Ross? If I uh, if I get into Phil's nick and uh, you know do my Phil Carve Quando a little bit harder, um, you know, in the what's left of lockdown, I reckon I can give it a rip. But you know, we'll see, we'll see. You can test me on that. Just a little shout out to um, Dave McKenzie as well. I, I don't actually know where he finished because I don't have the results at hand. But uh, when I was watching the Champions Tour the other night, I could see Dave McKenzie up there on the front page of the leaderboard. And what a great, what a great uh, ambassador for Australian golf out there on a on a major tour, doing some great stuff and has been doing for. Yeah, a number of years now. Just, uh, I was going to say plods away. That would that would sound terrible, but he just beavers away and plays some really good golf and is always, you know, very likely to be up the pointy end of that those fields. So, yeah, a win for him, uh, probably not too far away. But it's just good to see Dave McKenzie up there playing with some of the older statesmen of the tour from, you know, years and years gone by. It was great to see for me. Hey, um, now another one that uh, happened a couple of weeks ago in. In Scotland, and maybe this is an appropriate time to introduce. Uh, no, well, should we should we talk about? Uh, yeah, because well, it was here. So the the background bingo, which is going to be part of our ongoing programming, background bingo. You can see for those watching on the YouTube, you can see our backgrounds today. Uh, there's a new background for you to uh, have a look of. I'll move around for those looking at the video. Um, seaside course, wonderful course. Old course, one of my favourites. So if you've listened anywhere else, you'll know that this is one of my favourites. Blakey, you're sitting in front of a, well, the only hint's going to be same hemisphere. And, uh, may, yeah, you, that's a harder one for me to pick because uh, it's in tournament setup. I, I actually can't see where it, what course it is. I can't work it out, but I'm sure that some astute listeners will be able to work out where your background is. So... Have a go at both backgrounds. We we did have a winner from last last week's background bingo. It was a pretty easy one. Who was it? Uh, as Jerry Bauer. Jerry, congratulations! You picked uh, Troon as the background. Yes, it was a picture from the 2016 Troon Open. The I think it was the 18th, and uh, what a what a tournament! It was the first ever major that I'd ever been to. The only major I've ever been to, and what a great one to go because you know we were just talking about him. Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenson put down one of the all time great. Uh, finishes to a to a tournament, and for me, it was just unbelievable introduction to live to open tournament golf in Scotland at Royal Troon, which was the place where this young lady, Lexi Thompson, 
had another little rules imbroglio, and I would define this as imbroglio. You know, if you look at the word imbroglio and what it means, this was an imbroglio and, cre- and caused a bit of a stir. So should we listen to that first, Blakey? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Obviously, as you approach this green, the left-hand side is favourable, but it's very well defended by a selection of five bunkers, three on the right, two on the left. I don't know, there seems to be a big tuft of grass just behind it. She's brushing it at the moment with a club. I think that's the problem, you know, she, she's wondering if she can get a clean strike. She's got a very wide stance, trying to remain stable, really chasing after it with her body. Well, yes, Iona, she was really chasing after it with a body. Now, I have to commend the the, the guys who are doing the, the commentary for uh, the Women's Open, which I watched a lot of um, at Royal Troon. You know, I was obviously sitting there late at night reminiscing. And the guys did a great job with limited cameras and limited, you know, everything in, in the current environment. They had um, Iona Stephen, who, you know, is just a class young young lady in herself, a very, you know, talented golfer and becoming a great broadcaster. They had uh, Dame Laura Davies, who was just great in the commentary box. You know, obviously she could do whatever she wants, but if she just turned her hand to commentary now, you know, that'd be great on men's and women's tours. And they did a great job um, rotating everything. But I think they sort of let that go a little bit too easy. And what they let go, you know, for those of you haven't seen it, go and check it out once again on the YouTube site. But is Lexi Thompson, who most of us love you know she's a icon of the, the women's game and done a wonderful thing uh, wonderful things you know i saw her play at uh, the solheim cup last year and she's just an impressive young lady in every athletic and golfing sense um impressive golfer wonderful record but to watch her push the grass away you know a wispy knoll of grass behind a ball to me it looked like she was trying to improve a lie i couldn't see any other way around it i'm probably being a little harsh there's been a bit of toing and froing but the commentators didn't call it out. They didn't really stick to, you know, Iona just goes, oh, she looks like she's got a little bit of, you know. Uh, that's how I saw it, Blakey. What happened? Yeah, well, you know, one of the – we talk about the principles, um, the two main principles of the rules of golf or just the game of golf. Play the course as you find it and play the ball as it lies. And that means not um, trying to improve your lie – through pressing something down around your ball or uh, breaking branches, um, et cetera, that is going to help you make the stroke. You basically just have to get to a position and go, okay, what have I got in front of me? And just accept it and try and make the best shot um, that you can. With uh, Lexi, her ball was right beside a tuft of grass. And so she's just started prodding at it with the club, trying to move it out of the way, which is – basically a no-no okay now uh sort of two years ago that probably would have been um a penalty uh however there's a you know there's a definition about that that, that's really important here and that's improve the word improve so if you do um do an action that um affects your conditions uh, so that's your lie um, the area of in swing or your stance uh, it also has to improve your conditions for you to incur a penalty now with the update um, from 2019 they also brought in the fact that you could in some circumstances 
uh, restore any or eliminate any improvement. So that is to restore the conditions by eliminating any improvement that you might have done uh, to avoid the penalty. And that is what happened here, but not of her own doing. It was so lucky that it was windy. So she sort of prodded the grass away, and you can check it out on um, the Instagram video. Um, and she sort of prodded the grass away. And then the wind's blown it back into the same position or what the um, RNA who were running the tournament, uh, what they thought was into the same position, meaning that the improvement or any improvement had been eliminated by the the restoration before she made the stroke at the ball. And this restoration was done by the wind. It wasn't done by her going, oh, oh, what am I doing? Um, So she was very lucky there, I would say. Yes, no, it was a strange one for me to see and then to hear the adjudication on. But anyway, it is what it is. There's a, a whole group of talented people and your colleagues over there, I guess, um, you know, adjudicated on that and that's what they did. So we accept that and, and move on. But it it wasn't a great look. Anyway, it's what it is. Yeah. Don't do yeah, it. Don't yeah. do it. And my, 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 uh, my advice, uh, this is not an advice giving, but, you know, if you're a regular club golfer, you know, it's best not to go prodding around at the grass um, to to try and get a better look, swing, shot, you know, more access to your ball. Um, you see it happen. You know, it's one of the things that you see out there on the course that, you know, probably people are a little unawares of. But, you know, you, you, you've just got to basically, you know, get your club as well as you can behind it and then make your action from there. And uh, once you go sort of, moving things around and prodding bits of grass, you know, it becomes a questionable action. So just, uh, you know, take that for what it is. But, uh, yeah, interesting one. So uh, Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you're totally right. And that's what we're here to do. We're sort of here to tell the rules, but also, you know, tell our story about the spirit of the game. And, and you know, if your ball comes into a terrible lie, uh, that's – that's what you've got to deal with. You know, that, that is um, the nature of golf. Um, it's a test of character before it's a test of skill. Uh, so, you know, don't, don't go blaming anyone else um, for how your ball is, you know, even if it's in an unrepaired divot. Yeah, it, it sucks. But don't go blaming anyone else. Accept what you've got and try and play the game the way it's meant to be played. Well said, well said. Now, the last one that we've got on the uh, run sheet here, Blakey, was was an interesting one. And it was uh, the player of um, – the player was Scotty Scheffler, correctly? Correct? Yeah, it was Scotty Scheffler, who shot 59 the other day. What a – another one of Rocket's, uh, you know, heroes and young guns. So let's um, let's have a look there. So what should, what should we do? Should we play the video – play the Instagram first? Uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, that look, does that look like yeah, cramp? Yeah, that looks pretty serious. I don't think he's going anywhere in a hurry. Ah, okay. Not a lot of folks out here that can just come in from behind the ropes and fill in here, Nick. <laughs> good, good. I mean, good it's point. empty. Yeah. Yeah. 
Louis Caddy. Work this out what they can do. Yeah. There you go, Mark. Take the pack off and <laughs> yeah. grab the bag. Uh, no, thank you. It's Phil, Phil Lowe, uh, Louis Caddy coming over at least to help move the bag up to the green side. So there you go. Wow, I'm the world's best commentating on uh, you know, a, a medical situation in the golf there with Nick Fowder just offering some immediate advice that it uh, looks like a calf from the commentary box. I thought that was pretty impressive. And uh, IBF there also chiming in. The world's best just watching the young man go down, the caddy of Scotty Scheffler go down. What happened? Yeah, so uh, the caddy took uh, took an injury. Um, took a medical timeout. No, he he was down for the count. Basically, they carted him off, um, and he couldn't he couldn't caddy for the rest of the round. And I don't know if he uh, didn't follow up with uh, whether he got back out there for rounds um, three or four or whatever it was, um, or, or or he's back on the bag this week or, or whatnot. So um, hopefully he is okay and he just got some quick medical attention and um, was right for the next day. But uh, it just brings up the issue of uh, how many caddies you can have. I mean, for mere mortals like you and me, um, we're just going to be pulling out or carrying our own golf bag. Uh, but, you know, the the tour, it's very um, common to see these teams, you know, a player and a caddy, and, and it's important to know that a caddy is basically the same as a player in terms of their responsibilities um, for knowing the rules and the fact that if they do breach um, a rule, the player will uh, incur that penalty. So it, we might talk about caddies in another uh, episode, um, just a bit more on that stuff. But just in terms of this sp uh, specific uh, situation, I'm not going to call it an imbroglio, um, you know, a, a player can have only one caddy at a time. And so the fact that, um, the caddy's gone down and then the other caddy from the other player has actually moved um, Scotty's bag up to the green. Uh, and I think they, uh, in the end, they en ended up getting someone else to come out and uh, caddy. It might have been Scotty's manager or something like that. Um, but basically that moving of the bag up to the green in that situation would just be seen as a courtesy. Um, it's, you know, it's something similar Another example of this happening would be if, uh, you know, your, say you had a caddy and I had a caddy and we were, you know, playing in, in, uh, at Mornington or something like that. And I hit my ball in the bunker, I hit it out of a bunker and my caddy um, decides to rake the bunker and then you, and but I'm on the green, so you or your caddy takes both bags your bag and my bag up to the green so I can um, get the putter out, clean the ball and stuff, you know, and I throw my mark, my ball, I throw it to your caddy and he cleans my ball and, and stuff like that. So he's not acting for me as my caddy. He's simply a courtesy to substitute in uh, for my current caddy who's raking the bunker um, back down the fairway. So there are times when that's um, not going to be a breach of the rules. Um, if I did have two caddies, um, so the one carrying my bag and then another one giving me advice, uh, then uh, that would be a breach of the rules, which is a general penalty uh, uh, for each hole that it happens. So if you have two caddies for 18 holes in stroke play, how many penalty, penalty strokes is that, Roscoe? Sorry, say that again. 
If, you have, uh, if you have two caddies uh, for a whole 18 holes in stroke play, uh, how many penalty strokes in stroke play would that no, be? No, I heard you the first time, but two I was just trying to get my head, <laughs> head around two caddies for the whole 18 holes, and I just can't uh, – I, 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 I'm not the numbers guy here, mate, but, uh, you know, there's probably – I'm going to be wrong. Two shots well, for every two shots for every hole, the maximum of however many holes you played. Uh, yeah, so eighteen times two, thirty six. Yeah, right. Um, and it, and it has happened. Um, yeah. So it used to be. This is one that I got caught out on the other day. There used to be a maximum on this, but uh, there's no maximum on this one. So um, actually, I'm just going to look at the book just to check that. But uh, you know, there's no maximum on this one. So um, yeah, it'll be thirty six. 36 uh, penalty strokes. While I was uh, slightly distracted there, I wasn't distracted. I, did, I was trying to work out, never ever seen anything that was the like of two caddies. But the only caddy breach that I can think of was um, not one of a golfing strokes, uh, you know, affecting the round, but more of a, uh, um, you know, my tight Scottish uh, nature background. And it was at the Lynch in Ireland. And Aussies are notorious for not taking caddies at a lot of these places around the world where, you know, maybe some of the guys from America that might be listening, and if you are listening from uh, some of the states that tune in, welcome. But caddy is very popular with the American travelling golf market in Scotland and Ireland. Ross, no caddy. Just take it. I might spend my 15 quid on a stroke saver, which I did that day at La Hinch. Anyway, I struck up a great relationship with the caddy with the two guys from America that I was playing with, the two older gentlemen from America, they had one caddy between two. I was having great banter with this Irish fellow. It was just unbelievable. And I was conscious of the fact that I didn't want to ask him for information because I wasn't paying his fee and I had you know, probably no, no intention. But his wife was from Australia and there was all this stuff going on. He started giving me information. <laughs> oh, it's about a, you know, a seven iron from there, Ross. Oh, thanks very much, mate. Well, the two playing partners, they were just filthed up big style. <laughs> they, they just went ballistic. Not quite ballistic, but they uh, made it uh, very clear that they were paying for his services and I wasn't so bugger off over the other side of the fairway. I was just trying to be sociable. Anyway, that's the that's only... Quite a, that's quite a good uh, a little segment just before we finish, or a good little situation just before we finish. You can actually have one caddy you know, between three or four or five or six players, not that you ever have five or six players, but uh, you can have one caddy for more than one player. You just can't have one player for more than one caddy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, when you go on your golfing trips over to these parts and hopefully one day we all get back to doing that, uh, you know, it's quite common over there to have one player between two, uh, one caddy between two and yeah, four right. caddies and all that sort of thing. So, um these boys, you know, pushing two trolleys or carrying two bags. Yeah. But uh, my mates at the uh, the Real Life Caddy podcast have got some wonderful caddy stories. They two guys at Caddy over at uh, Pebble Beach and uh, go and check out their podcast. But funny guys. And uh, they agree with me that uh, Gordon, who runs the Real Life Caddy podcast, he says one day to me, he says, you know, Ross, you know how copper was invented? I said, how is that, Gordon? He says, two Aussies fighting over a penny. <laughs> Sorry, and I've stuffed that up. Copper wire. Copper wire. How copper wire was invented. Two Aussies fighting over a penny. So he was basically agreeing that uh, us Aussies are tight. Maybe not all, but anyway. Hey, um, I think that's uh, 
that's a good uh, a good episode, mate. So we've covered off some real doozies there, covered off the latest information from the tour, some things that uh, were maybe not so clear of why they did and didn't happen um, that people may have been tuning into. Once again, jump on the podcast, jump on the Instagram, jump over to the uh, YouTube site, Golf Rules Questions, you can see it everywhere, and all that information is there. Hours and hours and hours of viewing pleasure in lockdown, let me tell you that. Blakey, how are you? All good? Yeah, yeah no, going really well. Uh, again, we've run over time, but uh, we'll chuck it in the next episode so people can uh, hear more about uh, rules from the tour and also uh, listeners' questions. All right, we do have a question to cover too. Yes, that's right. Uh, background bingo. So you can see here, here we've done that. And who is our winner again? Uh, Jerry, yeah, Jerry Bauer. Jerry, you're in the draw. You are officially in the draw to win something, the first bit of something that the Golf Rules Questions podcast can create. You are in the draw to win it. So everyone that answers the, the background bingo from the YouTube, you go in the draw to win something. That's the next part. We'll work out what something is, but you're in the draw. Everyone, thanks for listening in. It's been great. We're trying to have some fun here and, and levitate uh, yeah, this great information that uh, Blake is able to bring to us. Thanks for listening, and until next time on the Golf Rules Questions podcast, we'll see you again. Mm-hmm.